Hi, listeners. I'm Irene Barton, Executive Director of the Cobb Collaborative, and I welcome you to Mind Your Mind Speaks. This is the podcast series that brings together subject matter experts, community leaders, and local stakeholders to raise awareness, share resources, and inspire action through recorded conversations about the Cobb Collaborative's focus areas. Today, we are delighted to welcome Nathan Daly to our program. Nathan is a medically retired law enforcement veteran with more than a decade of experience serving Georgia communities. You may have heard about his story in the news. In 2019, he experienced a now viral life-altering incident incident during what started as a routine traffic stop. And we're gonna talk about that um, since we can't play a um, video during a podcast very effectively. But before we get to that, Nathan, anything else you want to share with our listeners? And welcome to the program. Oh, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, it's definitely a pleasure being here. Um, and yeah, a little bit about uh, about me. Uh, I guess you'd say I've, I started policing back in 2007. Um, I uh, have my uh, bachelor's in criminal justice and criminology. I have my master's in public administration. And I've been policing for about 13 years um, altogether and uh, in just a different variety of different uh, capacities, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, August 1st, 2019, I was involved uh, in an incident on the job where uh, during a traffic stop and uh, I tried to detain a subject. And unfortunately, uh, I got caught into the vehicle, uh, the window of the vehicle, and I was unable to free myself at the moment. Uh, and the suspect drove off with me hanging outside uh, oh, of the window. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And on any road, that would be, I just can't even, I mean, adjectives fail me, terrifying, horrifying. But this was not on a two-lane country road with, uh, you know, an occasional car passing. This was in Metro Atlanta. Yes. This yeah, was, tell this, us where exactly this happened. Nathan. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, you're absolutely correct. Um, one thing if it was in a neighborhood or on a little side street, you know, this was this was on a main busy roadway, Ashford Dunwoody Road, oh, um, yeah. right at wow. 285 uh -huh. and, um, going towards 400. For those yeah. who live in Georgia, they know that this is a, a extremely busy road and, and highway. Um, so, yeah, very dangerous, extremely dangerous. And so, I mean, the day started normal for you, I guess, right? Yep. You were on the day shift. You get yep. your morning orders and all that. Can you kind of yep. set, set the picture, create the picture for us on, on how your day started? Your shift probably started at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., something like that. Yeah, early day. We're mm -hmm. talking seven in the morning, you know, mm -hmm. coffee and donuts, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was one of those things where um, it was just, you know, we always talk about the routine traffic stop and nothing's mm. really routine. Yeah. Um, you just never know in this profession uh, when things are going to escalate, when things, uh, when a person is not going to cooperate or when they, they have the mindset of wanting to do harm. And so it was a nice, beautiful day, regular day, laughing, joking with coworkers, mm -hmm. um, and what looked to be a very simple citation uh, turned out to be um, a battle for survival. Wow. Yep. Did the um, 
conversation with the driver start in a combative or did it did the driver escalate it to that i mean you're literally trying to keep the road safe for all the other drivers pedestrians um because that is a such a high traffic um column there yep. in that ashford dunwoody corridor you know what's interesting is the the purpose of the traffic stop was driving while um like driving while distracted okay um, in georgia we have a, a hands-free law where you yeah text mm -hmm. and drive and be on your phone um because there's been a lot of accidents related to people facetiming and driving yeah. no makeup while driving you know you mm -hmm. see these things as officers and so a lot of times even as officers we can in some ways uh in some ways lower our guard because we're like oh it's just a a brake light is just the this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you just don't see anything really escalating. But um, that that was the reason for the traffic stop. Um, and speaking to him, he was very pleasant, um, mm -hmm. but then started to give signs of discomfort, signs mm -hmm. of, um, uh, I guess you would say, suspicion and things of that nature. Um, wow. And just as an officer, you, you do this so many times, you start noticing certain mannerisms that mm -hmm that set off your 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 triggers you know i call it the spidey senses yeah you know? yeah i was thinking that <laughs> <laughs> so so definitely my spidey senses started to tingle and i realized that uh that there there might be something more going on mm -hmm. and uh and it actually was turned out to be a lot more um, oh, wow um so you're you're standing beside the car beside mm -hmm. the driver's side that's correct. Having conversation, which is now escalating into not as pleasant, I'm guessing. Are you writing the citation and are you bending over? I mean, yeah, it's weird. Everything happened so quickly. So I'm sure. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's funny because you you go into an investigative um, stop now. Right. Mm -hmm. Before initially, it's, hey, you got pulled over for this. You got pulled over for that. Yeah. And then. Once you start noticing certain things, you you know, you ask general questions, um, things don't they, they start not adding up. Um, mm -hmm. And then you inquire deeper into uh, uh, based on I had an odor, a strong odor of mm. what we would call fresh marijuana. Marijuana mm -hmm. has a very distinctive odor. Um, and then so you start inquiring about those things. And um, the law allows officers to investigate further when we we have suspicion of drugs or paraf drug paraphernalia within a vehicle. Um, mm -hmm. And so when he was being ordered to exit the vehicle, that's when things started to change. I started seeing the shift in the behavior, um, looking at the chest rising quickly. Yeah. I said, OK, I think I think we have something. Um, and I reached in to try and um, I guess you would say apprehend him from um, shifting and moving around. Mm -hmm. And I didn't notice him shift the gears in the vehicle. And by the time I was trying to remove myself, yeah, before I knew it, the vehicle was already in motion. Oh my gosh! Yep. Can I, and I don't want to cause you no, traumatization by asking you um, how long. I, I have watched the video, and mm. we will put the link to the video in the show notes so that people can um, visually, you know appreciate what you experienced so do you have recollection of like what you were thinking oh, yeah. as this was happening 
Yeah, you know what's interesting? Um, after the incident, um, you know, I couldn't recall. After the incident was over, I was uh, well. Let me let me start from this direction. Okay. Um, I'm I'm hanging out the window. You can imagine. Yes. Um, and the vehicle is going at a high rate of speed. I'm holding on the door with one hand and on the other hand, I'm holding on to the suspect and I'm having a conversation with them to, Hey, you know, just stop the car. Let me out. You know, I'll I'll let go, you know? Uh And during this process, he's taking the vehicle and he's ramming me against other cars as he's going down uh, the ramp onto the interstate. At that time, I realized I I started to feel in the beginning, I didn't feel as in danger. Mm-hmm. until I started seeing him intentionally ram me on the vehicles. I started feeling my body hit other cars. And in that mm-hmm. moment, I knew that I was, this situation was about to be a life or death situation. Yeah. Um, I could see myself, I could see us going on to um, the interstate. It's weird. Cause in that moment, I felt like it was a lot of time. I felt like there was mm. a, a conversation between us mm-hmm. while I'm hanging out the window. Yeah. And that moment I'm, trying to organize my thoughts as far as what options do I have? Um, I contemplated letting go. Um, I contemplated climbing in the vehicle. And then I also contemplated actually shooting him. I felt very confident that I'd be able to pull that off. But even as I'm processing those options, those are, I just remember very vividly, those are the three options Mm -hmm. I thought of. And the last option was just to hang on and see what happens. (laughs) And uh, I started thinking about my options. I said, well, either option doesn't work well. If I let Mm -hmm. go now, there's cars around me. I'm going to get ran over. Yeah. If I climb in, the risk I I run is knocking the steering wheel, him losing control of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I still and then the the vehicle, me being not secured, I'm still in a dangerous position. Um, I don't know if he's if he has a weapon on yeah. at the time. So I'm, I'm thinking this through and I said, okay, well, last option, I might just have to shoot him. I thought about shooting him through the car door or press contact. That's where we actually take the firearm and place it to a body part. Um, I contemplated actually shooting him. Mm-hmm. And during that, I thought it through and said, that's not going to be wise either. I'm going to put not only myself in danger, but if he's no longer having control over the vehicle, then he's also going to put other people in danger. Danger, Yeah. After processing those three options, I decided that it was safer for even myself to just hang um, outside the window and wait for the right opportunity uh, to let go. Um, As I'm processing those, those thoughts, I see an oncoming white van on the interstate. It's already mm-hmm. in the interstate. It's traveling on the lane closest to uh, the, the the shoulder, I guess you would you would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he purposely swings the car to the left because we started to bottleneck. I believe there were vehicles in front. He couldn't squeeze through them, and he purposely sideswiped me uh, against the uh, white van, which caused me to be ejected from the vehicle and onto the asphalt of the highway. Mm -hmm. Um, And I blacked out before that. 
One of the most interesting things about my story actually is it's a spiritual one. Um, I remember approaching the van, hearing a voice to saying, hey, you know, close your eyes and let go. And I closed my eyes in that moment. And the last thing I remember was waking up on the actual um, on the highway. Uh huh. Mm. Wow. Wow. You know, Nathan, as you were talking about and reviewing your options, I was thinking that maybe there's a metaphor uh, for life there. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. the best you can do is hang on and wait for that moment to pass. Um, Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, So obviously for once, thank goodness, Atlanta traffic bottlenecks right there, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, for, for once. Uh, for once. Um, and so you were on the pavement. Um, mm-hmm. Then things, I guess, started happening in terms of rescuing you and yeah. um, all of that. How, um, quote, like, what happened to that perpetrator? Yeah. So, um, funny story. Oh, I mean, uh, connected uh, to the yeah. story. Yeah. Um, when I started to come around, I obviously didn't know what happened. I actually, for a second, was completely absent of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, someone asked me about what that experience felt like. And the best way to describe it was, um, it's, it's like that moment, that very first moment when you wake up in the morning, like you don't uh-huh. really have a sense of like who you are like, uh, yeah. the first five seconds. You're just kind of yeah. uh-huh. like, Oh, I got to get up. I got to get ready. Yeah. yeah. So is it Friday? Is it Saturday? Is it Friday? Is it- yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's okay. almost like, like every, like that moment you wake up in the morning, it's like a, like a new beginning in a sense. Okay. Like um, a blank slate. It's a blank slate. Okay. And I had a blank thought. I had no recollection. I had no sense of awareness like a mm-hmm. child being born for the first yeah. time, almost okay. like you can imagine. And I'm looking around and I'm just trying to process things. Um, the white van um, and a few other people on the, on the interstate, by the grace of God, actually, they stopped traffic and they were getting out their cars and stopping cars from seeing what happened. The white van stopped probably maybe a few feet from running me over. Mm. Um, And I never got a chance to actually thank him. Um, I I recall him giving me a, um, like a white rag because I was bleeding. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, my coworkers um, picked me up. I I wasn't able to stand and they drove me, uh, they drove me to the hospital. Um, I later found out when I was at the hospital that they were able to apprehend him. My partner, okay. my partner was able to apprehend him and uh, they were able to bring him into custody without it, without any further incident. OK, um, Thank goodness for them. Yeah. Yep. Okay. They they end up locating several drugs, several different types of drugs in his vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, like distribution amount. That's OK, essentially a drug dealer. Yeah. Um, and a weapon. There was a weapon that was in the vehicle. And um, and of course, you know, he has a lengthy criminal history, uh, previously convicted for carrying a firearm and things of that nature. And so it uh, it was it was 
that seemingly simple, very routine, I guess you would say, Mm -hmm. stop turned out to be the apprehension of a, a, a drug dealer. Um, yeah. And so and the first day of the rest of your life. Yes. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So I have seen the video and we will again, drop that in the show notes. Is that your car? You're the recorder on your car that's filming it? Or is that, um, traffic copters is that other people filming how did the news story put all of that footage together yeah interesting enough um what's funny about this case um honestly this part of the story i haven't told my partner my um territory partner it's Mm -hmm. actually his car what happened was we were um we were we just left maybe the precinct not too long ago and we're mm-hmm. just happened to be following i was following behind him and um i was i was next to the the suspect was next to my car at the traffic light okay and okay. he was he was doing the thing on the phone mm-hmm. the light turned green and he was so engulfed in the phone that he didn't realize traffic had already moved okay well my partner gets on the radio and he's like hey uh you see this guy next to you, I'm going to pull him over because I, you know, he's, so he was actually going to initiate the traffic stop himself. I said, no, I said, I went over there. I said, no, I saw him first. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's mine. It's my stop. And so it was just kind of like a, just kind of a joke kind of cordial thing between both of us. And that's why he was actually present during okay. that time. So when he pulled him over, my partner was immediately behind him. I was behind my partner. I and, see. Um, okay. Um, that's so when you watch the video you see my partner running to the vehicle that was his car yes immediately jumped my car was parked behind his okay um and so that's just that's it's just weird how that all turned out um and so the video you're watching is the dash cam from my partner's vehicle. Uh, from the okay thank you for putting all that i'm gonna re-watch it now um as well so so all of this um, you end up being, um, medically retired, not a surprise. And out of all of this, you establish an, um, a program, um, a nonprofit an initiative. And you shared with me earlier that your road to recovery inspired you to want to help other officers faced with similar situation, because what made the difference for you, Nathan, was the support, prayers, and well wishes that you yes. received from individuals, not just here in Atlanta, but really from across the country. And that really made all the difference in the, in your healing journey. Not a, we teach um, several trauma-informed classes we call them and um or trauma trauma credentialed classes and the common cord or the common thread through all of those is the power of connections mm. um and how even one meaningful connection can really change the trajectory of a um I'll say a vulnerable person's life, you know, think uh youth in foster care, um, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but we see connections also playing powerful roles in other life experiences like yours. Mm-hmm. So if you can share a little bit about like how, how did people start contacting you? 
And then out of that, what led you to establish your um, Rise Blue Phoenix organization? Yeah, so that's a great question. So, um, so let me say that the road to healing, um, I think people sometimes forget when we're talking about mental health, there's that, there's the, the, the mental, there's the, the physical, and then there's the actual spiritual healing, depending mm. on, you know, whatever religious beliefs that a person has, whether they are, mm-hmm. they aren't. Um, for me, it was these three components. Um, and another component is family. And so I call this the, the three F's, <laughs> you know, okay. uh, faith, family, and friends. And okay. uh, what I realize, even being in this profession, is that every officer does not have the three F's, uh. um, you know, and these and these things represent pillars of support, pillars of strength. Um, and it's not uncommon for officers. You know, some of us are lone wolves. Some of us are battling with our own troubles and trauma mm-hmm. prior to the job. Mm -hmm. Um, battling things as we get into the job, Um, whether it's family that started off good that or has become uh, difficult to manage due to the profession. Yeah. Um, Or just the trauma dealing with the the things that we are exposed to in the profession. And depending on how you are as an individual, everyone's process of healing and getting help is different. It looks Mm -hmm. different. Some officers have outlets. A lot of officers do not. Okay. And, um, you know, and so it's a mosh posh, I guess you would say, of, of different types of people, you know, um, in this profession. So I knew that going in. Um, one of the things after my, after my accident, I didn't realize how bad things were. You know, I've been hurt before on the job. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm usually a person, I'm always in good spirit. And so... Uh, getting to the hospital, I was in a lot of pain. Um, thank God for the drugs. And, uh, so I was, I was wearing the morphine button out. They gave me a little button to push and I was wearing it out and I, I couldn't see myself. So I didn't know how bad it was. Mm. It didn't really set in until, um, my, my mom showed up at the hospital my brother showed up and uh, my mood changed. Um, I think I started to realize that this was a different type of incident. This is something okay. that this is something that could have killed me. Yeah. Um, I um, I love that my mom, she never showed any sign of weakness. You know, shout out to all the moms out there <laughs> who have nerves of steel, you know. Yeah. And uh my brother started, uh, you know, he, he's just like, well, you know, you look a lot uglier than you did before, you know, and so, you know, <laughs> typical siblings. siblings, are, yeah. siblings. <laughs> yeah. So, um, they, uh, I got a chance to, they are taking photos of my injuries and showing me and, and, uh, I was like, okay, well, it's a little bruising. I got a little bruising. It's not that bad. I got, I had severe laceration over my eye, I had uh-huh. lacerations on my head my mouth. Um, I chipped my two, you know, I always say I had a million dollar smile. Now it turned <laughs> to a quarter million dollars. <laughs> so, 
Uh, so and uh, and then I had severe body pain. Mm-hmm. I had road rash really bad. Um, and so, you know, I, I was still confident. We did all the scans, found out I didn't break anything. Wow, that is amazing. Blessing within itself. Um, mm-hmm. And so. But what I did do, I tore a lot of muscle and uh, I tore a ligament and my shoulder really bad. It turned out to be a lot worse than we thought, but I didn't break any bones and I didn't puncture anything vital. Um, But I I did have some severe bruising and tears and things of that nature to the muscle. So um, and to my lower back as well. And so that was I felt confident that okay, I'll heal up, rest up, give me three months, I'm back in it. So leaving the hospital is a walking blessing. Well, I'm not walking, I'm rolling out the hospital wheelchair. And I felt, I felt blessed. I I, I was still alive. I still didn't see, I haven't seen the incident or anything of that nature. Um, My supervisor was like, Hey, your coworkers are really concerned about you. They're worried. Uh, uh, You want to just let them know how you feel. So he started recording me. Mm-hmm. And I was high as a space cadet, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was I was definitely, I was high as a kite. And so I'm just smiling and bleeding and, um, mm-hmm. you know, they stitched me up really. I think I had over like 30 stitches or something crazy like that. So I, I say, yeah, you know, I'm good. You know, you guys, yeah. I'm, this is not a big deal. I'm going to bounce back. This is yeah. nothing. And I'll see you in a couple of months. Yeah, yeah, I'll see you in a little bit. I said, you know, that's stop by, bring me some cookies and cupcakes. That'll help me feel better. I'm a, I got a super sweet tooth. <laughs> well, the supervisor put that on our Facebook page because everybody was worried about mm-hmm. me, our Facebook page for the department. And um, the news media got a hold of the video. Oh, and okay. They asked for permission if they could be released. And I was like, yeah, I don't mind, you know. Well, I finally made it home. Um, ice, all kind of stuff. You know, I have I have the works. Everyone's around me. Well, they uh, they released the video of the dash cam, mm-hmm. um, and then they released the video of me coming out the hospital and you know laughing, smiling, you know bleeding all over the place. Oh, you know, yeah. I'm good, you know. Yeah. And I think that video sparked so much uh, love, support, mm-hmm. and attention. People gravitated behind that the video of the accident went or the incident went viral mm-hmm. and then me coming out the hospital went viral and okay. then in that moment the nation galvanized behind that message um the next day or a couple days later they were sending truckloads of cookies and cupcakes oh, and candy wow. to the wow. police department uh-huh. and they were dropping off food um they're dropping off goodies for me cards and mm-hmm. you name it from all around the world um, Europe, Australia, oh my gosh. Um, wow. and South America, they're just bringing all kinds of stuff. And so police departments, everything. And so I was receiving these letters and, and these gifts. And when I tell you that the overwhelming support, it was so, so rewarding. It was so mm. fulfilling. It was so, I honestly, I didn't have it I don't know how long the recovery process would have taken but it was a major part in my recovery okay um I've never did this job in over 13 years and never felt that type of love from doing Mm -hmm. the job um 
it's a thankless profession. I knew that going in, um, but not getting thank yous for a very long time, it wears on you, you know, mm -hmm. not yeah. feeling appreciated, being beat up by the media, beat up by politicians and, and all just the things that go on through society in this profession, you feel unappreciated as a whole, but you still put the uniform on and go out and do the work. Um, it's doing a job and not feeling loved, you know? And so uh, it, it wears on you psychologically. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I felt like I was loved. I felt like <laughs> what I did mattered, the sacrifice mattered. Um, and after that, it was a very grueling process the mental health part, because mm -hmm. the injury started to settle in my uh, face, my body yeah. started to swell really bad. I wasn't recognizable the next day. Wow. Um, you remember the movie Hitch? I don't know if mm -hmm. you've seen it. Yeah, I didn't, but I've seen enough of it that, yeah. There's a scene there where uh, Will Smith, he gets, uh, he's allergic to shellfish and he eats some shellfish on a date and his face blows up. Blows up. Uh -huh. That's exactly how I looked. It looked like wow. I was in the ring with Mike Tyson, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that piece was hard. I went to, I had four different doctors, specialists, because the type of injuries that I had. Mm -hmm. Um, they're quoting me that, hey, this this looks like it's gonna be about two to three years before you fully recover. That's how bad mm. the, the the damage was. Of yeah. the injuries. I wasn't going to be able to work anytime soon. I got very depressed. Um, I had to undergo two surgeries on my shoulder. Okay. Um, I was having nightmares about um, just doing the job and my, my arm not working, me unable to successfully save a life and things of that nature. I was having repeated nightmares. Um, and so I, I didn't know where I was going to go from here. I had aspirations of doing other things in law enforcement. It felt like uh, that that chapter had closed abruptly. Mm -hmm. um, I, had, I had an opportunity to, well, I had my application in for the FBI. So that was something I was looking into. Um, and that looked like it was a, a faded dream turned nightmare. And so processing all that how did I get to where I am now, the recovery stage? Um, very, there's, there's two stories. I would say there's two incidents that took place that really cultivated my recovery, which then sparked me going into the nonprofit and what led me there. So it's real quick. Let me tell you what happened. Um, I was opening a letter each day from those who sent me letters of, of get wells and things. Cause that's uh -huh. what was feeding my, 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 that was, that's what was helping me each day. You know, I said, yeah. I read a letter a day. It made me smile. It, it just <laughs> made me feel better, you know? And yeah. so I was definitely eating all the cookies and cupcakes. <laughs> I, I definitely. So one day um, I'm in a sling, I'm in my boot, I'm, I'm wrapped up, my head's wrapped up unnoticeable beard is starting to grow out, you know, um, <laughs> face is still discolored from the bruising. Mm -hmm. I, um, I wanted a cheeseburger and, uh, there's this very popular cheeseburger place. Um, and I said, I, I gotta have it. I absolutely gotta have it. Uh, I'm miserable. I was tired of being cooped up in the house. And this is, mm -hmm. this is months later, you uh, know, yeah. months okay. later. 
So um, the reality has of yeah. your recovery has really set in for you at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm miserable. I'm depressed. Yeah. Not happy with myself. Um, I just uh, kind of given up. Mm. Um, I I won't say kind. I did give up. I realized that um, after going to the doctor so many times that the injuries were a lot more severe than I realized. Um, and I was miserable. I, I, so, so this moment I said, oh, I'm going to get something to eat. I, I don't care. I'm limping. <laughs> I look crazy. You know, I'm get this food in. Well, I'm in there and, and, you know, I'm wrapped up with my head. Cause I had a, I had the bandages over my face and my eyes were covered. Um, and a, a young boy stops me. I'm in the line, just finished ordering my food. This young kid comes up to me, said, uh, um, thank you for your service. And uh, I look down at it. And I'm like, what? So what are you mm -hmm. talking about? You know, in my mind, I'm saying, what is, what is he talking about? He said, thank you. Thank you for your service. Um, you're a superhero is what he called me. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I'm just like, who is this kid? <laughs> and I look up and I see the kid's mother. And she's like, she's like, yeah, you know, thank you for your service. And we're so had so glad that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're here and you're doing better. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm still not connecting the pieces. Um, she said, you know, we were, we were on the highway the, the day you got into the accident. We saw what happened. And I said, what are the odds? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, wow. I said, no, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Now, mind you, I look unrecognizable. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm tethered. I'm, I just look horrible. <laughs> the fact that they are able to know it was me was was crazy. But yeah, the kid said, uh, the kid said, yeah, you're a superhero. I, I'm glad you're OK. And I looked at it, I said, I'm not a superhero. That's what I told him. Mm -hmm. I said, why? I said, why do you think I'm a superhero? I said, superheroes don't look like this. You know, I'm pointing to my face. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, you know, superheroes don't look like this. He said, yeah, yeah, you're a superhero. So why do you say that? And he looked at me and said, only, only a superhero can be hit by a car and then get up and walk again. <laughs> and, you know, in that moment, um, it was so profound. You know, I, I didn't really know how to process it, but it touched my soul, which mm -hmm. is how deep that went that conversation from a young kid. I went home after that and was pondering on it. It was on my mind. And I, um, I broke out in tears. And I said to myself that, what did this kid see in me that I can't see within myself? I started praying and um, just asking God to kind of just give me the strength to just move forward. You know, I was still... And, and I was still had a lot of anger from mm -hmm. what happened, mm -hmm. what was done to me. And something told me to go and open up this box. I had this box that was there in the in my place and it was just sitting there. And I said, I've been meaning to open it. So I was like, today, I'm just going to open everything. <laughs> you know, I'm going to stop using this as a crutch. I'm going to open mm -hmm. everything today. I need to move. I need to I need to move forward. I open up the box. Inside the box was a letter. And it was a hand knitted blanket made from yarn. Uh-huh. And it was of the, the the blue line. 
Oh, so okay. Beautiful blanket. And the letter was from a nonprofit uh-huh. organization called Cover the Blue. And I read the letter and um, I started I started crying. And in the letter, the the founder said that, you know, she started this organization to create blankets for officers who've been severely injured and they need a covering. They need something to cover them, keep them, keep them warm, make them feel safe, make them feel loved. And I and you know, reading it says when you get in that moment where you're down and you need that type of support, let this blanket cover you. And uh, man, just even thinking about it, uh, reading that, it put me in a place where I needed that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I took the blanket and I covered myself with it in that moment. And it just, it felt good. You know, I felt, um, I felt, I felt relieved. I felt um, it was just powerful. It was powerful. That was that that was the day that I decided to stand up and say that I'm not going to um, I'm not going to let this um, break me. Uh And so uh, in that moment, I said to myself, you know, um, I have to I have to look at the truth, the truth is I'm alive. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's a blessing to be alive. And, um, wow. I, um, I came across a scripture, um, Genesis 50, 20. And I think that I won't say, I think that is a scripture that became the foundation of my nonprofit. And I, uh, I told myself in that moment, that if it wasn't for that video, no one would have known about this incident. Right, right. And so it made me think, I started thinking, I said, well, dang, there are so many officers, you know, about 17,000 officers get injured a year. Nobody ever hears about it. Yeah. You know, know, 80, like almost 80,000 assaults, 17,000 injuries on average. You never hear a word of it. And I just thought to myself, how selfish am I? You know, in that moment, I'm like, you know, I'm so blessed that people are even aware. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, this woman started this nonprofit. And the way it made me feel, I said, my God, I, I, I couldn't imagine what if I start a nonprofit bringing awareness to the officers who are injured? Okay. The ones that people never hear about. These officers are suffering in silence and they don't have that nationwide support. Mm-hmm. You know, or those, so, those three pillars that you talked about. The three or those F, three yeah. pillars. Right. And the idea is if you don't have those pillars, then at least, at least you can lean on the people outside of those, you know, the ones in your community, the ones nationwide who who can show you love, who can show you support um, mm-hmm. for those who don't have family. I had I have I have family, mm-hmm. I have friends from church. I have friends just in general. I had everything and I still struggled. Well, understandably. You know? Yeah. You know, 
Um, so I can only imagine for those who are lacking in certain areas, areas what that um, what that feels like road looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So the nonprofit, Nathan, what what exactly do uh, can you describe a couple of yes. the programs or services in the time we have left? Yes, yes. Um, so the Blue Phoenix Initiative, um, I call it the Blue Phoenix Initiative. I use the phoenix um, symbolizing, you know, rising out rising. of the ashes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is perfect for Atlanta. So Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So the purpose of the organization is to connect with the citizens nationwide, mm -hmm. um, supporters, having them join in on a on an email list. And then also for the also for the nonprofit to connect with police departments, um, let them know the organization exists. So when they have an officer who's been severely injured, um, they can report it to the nonprofit. And then from there, I send out a mail list about okay. the incident to those who have signed up to the mailing list mm -hmm. from there it's called the initiative because it's giving the citizens the initiative to reach out to the officers in need and they can send you know cards get well cards right. they gifts to the police department and that way those gifts can be sent to the officer okay Okay. Kind of like a Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and they can hopefully learn, um, you know, if there's a meal train that needs to be established yes, or, yes. Um, you know, a, um, um, a child who is going into high school and needs that really needs calculator or something yep. like that. Yeah. Okay. Yep, so now I understand. Okay. And it's national. I mean, you're, you're based here in the big A, but yes. it's national. The goal is to be um, getting off the ground. The goal is to get, uh, when I formed the nonprofit, it was during COVID. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there was no way at the time to, uh, do events and things like that. Sure, and then yeah. I had a very hard time. Um, one, because I was learning what to do in, at the at the process of everything. But then also uh, the atmosphere during that time, as you remember, was very yes. tense, tense for police. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so there was no support. There was no financial support for the police during that time, which is very unfortunate. Um, and so um, this year is the year that I, I plan on campaigning more. Okay. bringing the awareness to the nonprofit mm -hmm. and getting the citizens involved because they are going to be the foundation or the backbone of the organization. Um, and so we don't promote a lot of donating per se to the organization. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. more so just, just getting your support contact information yeah, and be willing to, when you receive a call for help, you know, uh, to respond, to kind of respond and or organize yeah. your community, whether that's that looks like your Sunday school class, your book yes. club, your neighborhood, your whatever. So yes. mobilizing. Okay. It's a okay. mobilizing unit. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Love so. that. So it sounds like people can go ahead and sign up on the list if they would like to. How yes. um, do we direct people to the website? Is that the best thing to do? Or yes. how should people get in touch with you? Absolutely. So the best way um, to get in touch with me, um, please go to the website, uh, risebluephoenix.org. Okay. Um, there is uh, a way for you to um, put in your email contact information there. 
Um, and we put together uh, our mailing list from there. So that is the best way. Okay. Um, and also, if you want to uh, reach out to us on Instagram at risebluephoenix.org. Okay. As well as Facebook. All right. Well, we will put all of that in our show notes and on, on our own social media <laughs> so that Thank people you. can can find you. So Nathan, as our time together draws to a close, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would like to mention? Mm. Is there? Hmm. Is it? <laughs> There's probably a whole bunch. The, There's always a challenge is to yeah pick just one or two. Yeah, I, I would say, um, you know, since we're talking about mental health, the goal overall of the nonprofit is to um, what I realized in my moment with policing and just overall as an individual, embracing, encourage, and empower. I believe those are the three steps of recovery. Mm -hmm. um, we all want to be embraced. We all need to be encouraged. And that last step is to be empowered. And the idea is to empower officers to pick back up the mantle and and go back, you know, get back into the fight, get back yeah. into it, even if that fight is not in law enforcement. Right. right. And and it's OK to let that go, you know, empowering to find different options, but finding a new purpose. I was able to recover because I was able to align with a new purpose. Yeah. And so I said, though, I might not be able to save the citizens and this aspect of my life, I can save officers. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so that's the key component that helped my recovery, finding a new purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and so I guess I'll leave with that. Wonderful. And Nathan, you know, you, you say you may not be um, saving citizens, but you never know by being part of a group like this, people may find purpose in that, right? That's they true. may find um, kindred spirits, kindred souls that they didn't know about in their own community and may have the opportunity to then step in and form new connections. And that might give them new purpose in life. So I see quite the web there of connections, <laughs> community to officer, officer to officer, yep. and community members to each other. So Absolutely. wonderful. Wow. Nathan, thank you so much for spending time, for being trans transparent and thank vulnerable. Uh, I know you haven't told the story a lot of times and it's emotional. I, I cannot even imagine, but. Thank you so much for trusting us um, to hear this and to, um, to share your story with others. And we will um, handle it in the, uh, you know, with all the dignity and respect that it deserves. So thank you thank so you. much. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you. All right. And listeners, we thank you for tuning in today. And to be sure that you don't miss any future episodes, please subscribe to our Mind Your Mind Speaks podcast. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that others can find us. Join us next time as we continue to empower and engage. Hey, I'm using a couple of your words, Nathan. <laughs> our community through conversations about important and critical issues that we are all dealing with. Until next time, please stay well, and remember, there is no health without mental health. <laughs>